How are the uh, the pull-ups coming along? Uh, there, <laughs> we're almost at one. <laughs> the goal is one. The goal the goal is one. I find um, I find CrossFit to be it's a good humbling experience. The phrase is "check your ego at the door," which is important, or else you'll get hurt. Sure. So, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So, um, one one pull-up is something that I strive for. It's important to have dreams. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Andrew Dare is in his second year as the Dean of the School of Education at Virginia Commonwealth University. In his time at VCU, he has encouraged faculty and students to get engaged with local school divisions, recognizing the opportunity that the university has to make an impact in the metropolitan Richmond region. By his account, the problems that we face are not average and therefore do not require average thinking. We talked about the role of community-engaged research in supporting public education and discussed what we can do about the complicated relationship between poverty and student achievement. Dr. Dare, thanks so much for joining us for this today. It's a pleasure talking to you. What is the purpose of public schools? Wow, that um, it's a it's a big question, but then it's um, somewhat of a simple. Well, can be a simple question. Um, and I think of all the questions you sent me, it's the one that I probably spent the most time with, um, mm-hmm. just because I kept going from big to small, but. I think um, the purpose of public schools is to to educate persons, particularly children and adolescents, not only, but particularly, um, to be productive and positive contributors to society. Hmm. And in terms of contributors to society, um, the workforce, their family, and just being a good citizen. Um, and so that's what I think the purpose of public schools are. Yeah. So it's a, a simple concept that we need to, to take care of our citizenry and train the next generation of citizenry. And that's a, a sort of a simple, like, easy-to-swallow idea. But there, it's, the approach is complicated, as you were saying. So what's the complicated part? Um, I think the complicated part is because people are different. Mm-hmm. Um, needs are different, starting points are different, challenges are different. Um, I was in in Florida when um, you know this whole concept of you know kids are on a level playing field, you know, which mm. kids are not on a level playing field, you know, and and so I think that. That um, I think that that creates a big challenge, and I think what punctuates that challenge is that folks, particularly those in decision-making capacities, even folks on the quote-unquote side of good decisions, mm-hmm. really don't have an understanding of their privilege. And so decisions are made um, with a privileged lens that they don't 
understand. Hmm. And so that's why folks will say, well, you know, folks just have to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Well, there's a privileged assumption that they have boots and boots with straps on them. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, um, so I think that's what makes it, it challenging, um, you know, as, as the, the um, have-nots grow. Um, and as the haves grow, you know, um, it creates a greater disconnect and, you know, the challenges we're seeing in high needs environments, particularly urban, but also in rural, you know, that a result of poverty, we're just frankly not preparing people to be successful or effective in those settings, Hmm. but then we have this large bureaucratic structures that are putting things in place to help that, which in a sense may may make it even worse. Yeah, yeah, we certainly have a lot of those concerns locally Mm -hmm. with how poverty relates to educational outcomes. Um, You're part of a school of education where there's people working on a lot of different issues in education that they're trying to address through research and through training practitioners this is a difficult question, I think, to answer because there isn't one biggest challenge facing public education today, but um, what do you see as a, a, a challenge in education that you're particularly focused on? Um, I think a challenge in education is very broadly helping all students succeed. Um, I think is the broader challenge, you know, I think, I think what, um, what, what feeds into that challenge is poverty. Um, you know, we can, you know, we've got to spend time and efforts looking at, um, innovative strategies in the K-12 building whether that's in the classroom or administration or at the school division level. Um, But I think we need to do a bit more in, um, you know, being more broad and in addressing issues in the family Mm -hmm. and in the community because it's it's not new research that you know, family stress is going to impact student learning outcomes Mm -hmm. or, you know, um, health disparities, food insecurities. You know, there's a lot of things that impact student learning outcomes. And Mm -hmm. I think as an urban-serving public research university, we're very different than a teaching institution. A teaching institution Mm -hmm. can just focus on teaching and preparing teachers and other professionals, but as an urban-serving public research university, we also have that additional responsibility of um, coming up with innovative strategies with broad impact Mm. um, that's going to positively affect, um, you know, what's happening um, in the classroom. Yeah. Uh, what you said that stands out to me is that the goal is to educate all students. 
So you have people coming from all sorts of backgrounds. And when I worked as a high school counselor um, in a fairly mixed income environment, that's something that struck me every day that people live all kinds of ways, mm -hmm. for sure. And the, the challenge of meeting a, a variety of needs while also tailoring your approach in ways that make sense for the different kinds of students you might serve. It's a big challenge, but it's also a big opportunity, Yes, I think. Yeah. Um, you've already alluded to this. What, what role do you think research plays in advancing public education? Um, I think it plays a critically important role, you know, um, in terms of discovery, mm. you know, solving problems. You know, there's a, you know, the federal government, you know, grant dollars are not a gift, they're an investment in that solutions will be found to problems. Mm -hmm. And so I believe it's essential at an urban-serving public research institution that, you know, research is being done to understand and to solve problems. Mm -hmm. And that describing the problems is just the very, very beginning is not the end goal. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's an important um, question that each of us in an urban servant public research university need, needs to ask ourselves is, are we advancing the field? Are we advancing science? You know, we talk a lot about being reflective practitioners, but are we aware of our unconscious bias and how that's informing the work that we're doing? And that's the challenging part of research is because if you're not aware of your unconscious bias and the lens even how you formulate a research question or a strategy can skew the outcome. Mm -hmm. You've been with the VCU School of Education for a year now. Yes. Uh, talk about your vision that you have for this school as an urban-serving public research institution. My vision is for us to be the leader in urban education and in preparing teachers, counselors, principals, and other professionals, and professionals in the broader sense, um, to be successful and impactful in urban and high-need schools, mm -hmm. communities, families, and with the children. Um, and that really, that's, that's the vision right there, plain and simple. I think, um, I just think there's some contextual or structural opportunities that we have to achieve a level of excellence that other folks don't have. Mm. You have all of these areas where they're having the same challenges and struggles in urban high-need schools, but here we are, a school of education in an urban public-serving research institution in the state capitol, literally less than a mile or two away from decision makers at the state level, we have an incredible amount of nonprofits, community agencies, and philanthropists 
pouring resources, time, money, energy into these 23 and 27,000 students. Mm. And we're right here. Mm. We should be, I mean, we just, we just have an opportunity that other places don't have mm-hmm. and could never have, mm. could never have because they don't have all of those factors together. Mm. They could be larger, more money, but they're not in an area where they can reach that population. Yeah. Or the population is 250,000, not 23,000. Yeah. So how does the School of Education capitalize on that opportunity and leverage the kind of work that's being done here with research and training practitioners and pre-service teachers? How do you capitalize on that to really serve these students that have such high need locally? I think, you know, by collaboration, engagement, entrenchment, you know, at, at, at all the universities, if someone wants to do a study um, or engage in a particular population with a particular area of study, um, they're going to need a fair amount of funding because they have to develop and build that capacity to reach them. There's a nonprofit in Richmond that probably touches every segment of our school. Early childhood, literacy, you know, mental health for kids. It touches every aspect. There's probably at least three Hmm. that are already in the community that already probably are serving 500, 600, 1,000 people or families that would welcome us with open arms to partner with them to lend our gifts, talents, and expertise. Mm. So at another university, if you want to do something in literacy with kids or literacy with adults, you're probably going to need a large grant to hire staff to do all of that stuff where there are three or four nonprofits in the community that have already successfully figured out how to recruit, how to serve, how to serve. So it's just collaborating with them. So the more we can, we can work closely, collaborate, walk hand in hand with some of our nonprofits in the community, it gives us ready access where we can leverage each other. The more we can work more closely with school divisions, um, so that we are seeing and realize we're, that we can work so close with them that we can see, realize, recognize the problem almost the same time they see, realize, recognize, and working with them to develop solutions, whether that's through professional development, whether that's through how we train our teachers, whether that's through research mm. to develop innovative and impactful ways to address the problem. I, I've had a chance to, um, to watch you speak a few times, and during one of your speeches you said that the, the problems that we face are not average, so they do not require average thinking. Yeah, it's, um, we're almost academic research first responders. We can't just 
do the same thing that we would in other environments, you know, form task forces, committees for a year to investigate a problem that really is, there's some contextual things that are different, but we know enough where we can intervene. But then there's aspects of it that's bigger, so we have to think bigger, mm. be bolder, be more innovative. Yeah, I I just believe that wholeheartedly, and and mm. and, and I think my eyes are open. Oh. Sure. <laughs> I don't know how your eyes can be open, and one not have a sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah, it's yeah. The, um, something that you've you've said in the past that, that really stuck with me too was, once you see that this is a very clear issue in the community that our our students that are growing up in concentrated poverty tend to struggle more than our students that come from higher resource backgrounds. Once you know that that's an issue, how do we not have that sense of urgency to really pour into it and really use our um, position as researchers and educators to do something about yeah. it. And I think, you know, it's easy to get caught up in the data, you know. Um, these are children. Mm. These are children. I mean, these are just children. And, you know, the year that we take with our full tummies, you know, shoes, clothes, or if it's cold, the heat on, you've got a jacket on. That whole year that we are comfortable, mm-hmm. quite comfortable, where even our worst day, you forget your jackets just for that day. Your car breaks down, you can afford an Uber. Mm-hmm. That's attached to your credit card. You have a credit card. I mean, these are all luxuries that we have mm-hmm. as we take a year to try to figure out what to do. And in that year, and add the summer, that child has not made movements academically that we would need them to make, or that child has had two or three people within their family incarcerated, murdered, something. We, we, we forget that it is a child. It's I don't people. know. I can't yeah. watch somebody drown and just sit there. I can't do it. And if that's a character flaw, I'll take it day <laughs> and night. Uh, what do you see as the future for public schools? Um, we've got to figure it out. We've got to figure it out because, you know, and I, I say this to folks, public education is under attack, but I don't think we realize who really is attacking us or what the real battle is. Um, And and there's there's a real issue in that we've we've got to figure out how to help all students. And, um, And I personally believe that until we teach teachers differently, because you could follow NCAID accreditations and do everything you're supposed to do, whether it's preparing teachers or principals. We can do everything the way our standards tell us we need to do it, mm-hmm. and we've not prepared somebody to be successful in a high-need school. Mm. And, and, and we have to, at some point, we just have to realize that, um, that we have to do something different. 
um, as we continue to struggle in that area, we're creating the window, which is now a doorway for other folks to come in. Public education is a multi-billion dollar industry that the government pays for, mm -hmm. right? Um, in terms of K-12 and higher ed, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. It's probably one of the last or one of the biggest frontiers for capitalistic opportunities mm -hmm. where if, if folks can even get access to 10% of that, we're talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. So if we look behind the curtain at a lot of these efforts, there's, there's that part of it behind it. Now, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing, mm -hmm. but the reality is if we don't get a grip on it, then resources, then, then our whole future will change. Mm -hmm. And again, that may not be a bad thing, but if we want public education, if we believe in public education, then we've got to recognize that, and then we've got to be more successful and be more innovative and be more nimble than these other folks that see this frontier opportunity. Uh, Dr. Dare, thanks so much for your time and perspective and all the energy that you're putting into the the School of Education and into our local school divisions. Yeah, in Richmond, we're, we're grateful. Thank you.